0: Rose, Rose, trying to get open, fires away. It's over.
1: The Bulls win at the buzzer. Inside the 30, Hester's gonna take it all the way for a touchdown. Here's the 0-1. This is gonna be a tough play play. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Goal to Go podcast. It has been a minute since we've been on here, uh, but tonight you get to hear from me, I'm Reese, and my boy Jordan. Jordan, how we doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. Excited to get back into it. So Everybody's been kind of busy, and uh, we kind of had a fiasco where we tried to record one time, and it was very funny, but not unfortunately it was something we could not put out so um but i am excited to get back on and talk some sports talk about the end of the bowls talk about some cubby stuff and i'm really excited about the draft coming up but i know we'll talk some more about that um at another time but i'm gonna come at you with some hot stuff tonight about the cubbies oh boy
1: so we just better be happy jay's not here to fight me on it Um, well i'll come back with I won't say, say cold takes, but they're they're cooler. Some uh throwing a wet rag on the fun type yeah, of takes. Yeah. yeah. Always it, gotta be that guy. Maybe Always. not a wet rag. Maybe just just a rag.
0: Just a just a rag.
1: <laughs> just a rag. Okay. All right, yeah. man. I'll take it. Yeah, That's, so we're gonna uh, acceptable. We're gonna dive into to the cubs uh in a minute. I do wanna mention I see your jersey behind you. I Jonathan got the taste. Yes. Played his last game as a Blackhawk. Unfortunate.
0: And, My captain.
1: You know, as it was time, as hard as it was to see him go, you know, I think everybody kind of knew for the last couple years, you know, he's been so injury prone, doesn't know what this deal is with his uh, respiratory issues, got some lingering mm-hmm. COVID stuff. Um, but always sad to see, you know, hometown hero, local legend go like that. So – uh, congrats on a legendary career.
0: Legendary. You know, like, it's easy to get super excited about these big deals that these guys signed. You know, like when Taze and Kane basically signed the same deal, it was so exciting because they were amazing, you know, and they were amazing the majority of their their tenure at uh, in Chicago. And obviously Taze has been a little bit more injured than than Kane, Kaner's still going strong. I mean, that dude yeah. hasn't met a goal. He doesn't like to score in. So, uh, I mean, it's always nice to see those players sign big contracts, but it's always so brutal when those come to an end. You yep. know. But you'd you'd rather it be this than uh, like a Hayward contract, um, where you're just you're just thankful to see him go. You right. know it. You know if you signed a big contract and everybody's still hurt that you're leaving and sad about it, that you lived up to that contract. And that's a really, really hard thing to do in sports, especially uh, in a sport like professional hockey where it's just so brutal on your body to be able to hold up long enough to have a career that matters enough for people to actually care that you're gone and be upset about it. You know, I think about like Miguel Cabrera. Like, that dude is just an animal, bro. Like, he just – and he's coming towards the end of his career, but he's one of the best hitters of his generation. Yeah. If not the best. And, you know, just like I I saw him the other day hit that walk-off, and it was a pinch hit. And it's like, dude, when does Miggy ever pinch hit? You know, because he's been in the lineup every day for so long, you know. Right. Those guys that live up to those contracts, it's impressive. It really, really is because – there's you got no business living up to that contract but for like the more money the more hate right the bigger your contract the more more criticism that you're going to take and so to avoid that for everybody to still love you means that you had one really really good career so absolutely so long to the captain hope he gets healthy and if he wants to keep playing hockey hopefully he finds that place for him but i just I hope more than anything else, he just gets healthy and he can enjoy life. So,
1: and on that, the Bears should sign Justin Fields to a ten-year contract.
0: They should, and they're probably going to have to.
1: Well, let's. Um, we're going to dive into the Cubs, but also we want to touch on the Bulls real quick. Uh, it's been a little real less quick, than a real week. quick. I'm sorry, this totally yeah. just
0: is coming out left field. You just said Justin Fields' contract. What did you think about the Jalen Hurts contract?
1: It's tough. It's it's tough because I'm not going to say he didn't earn, you know, a top five contract in the league. But to have that team around you and then have the biggest contract in NFL history is like, yeah. ooh. Yeah. Well, I asked the question because –
0: I think Jalen Hurts is the best comp for Justin Fields, right? Like their stats, everybody's been comparing them. Right. Their similar style of play, you know, it's obviously a little bit different. Hurts took the jump and he started passing the ball. In theory, that's what you're going to see from Fields. That's what everybody wants to see from Fields, right? Yeah. So if JF1 takes that jump this year, is that the kind of contract – like that would be my guess. If I'm Justin Fields, I see that contract come through and I'm thinking to myself, that's the contract I'm going to sign.
1: I think if you're if you're Ryan Poles, you know, you got to set the expectation, right? Like we we've said this whole like since we started this podcast a couple months ago, you know, we're not expecting them to, you know, really be a deep playoff team. But you you say to Justin Fields like, "Hey, you know, if we see you take a jump, and you know we're successful, and we're in, you know, we're in competition late in the season, then maybe not the highest contract right. in the NFL, but like this is what you're looking at, and I think the front office has to prepare for that. You yeah. know, you don't want to get in a scenario where, um, like, like Lamar Jackson. I know yeah, I was just going to say
0: up. you want to avoid Lamar Jackson situation,
1: and but the problem is right I mean Lamar could have made that jump but he never has made that leap right like he he had the MVP year obviously mm-hmm. but as far as passing like, as far as passing goes what you want to see in your quarterback for a franchise right. quarterback he never made that leap and so he put them in a weird position where it's like okay yeah Lamar jackson is a really good quarterback is he our quarterback I don't know right and Here's so the,
0: the other thing about Lamar that's always kind of got me I mean because they you know they drafted Marquise Brown and they drafted Rashad Bateman, and Rashad Bateman's not been the healthiest um, of wide receivers. And Marquise Brown obviously has not been crazy healthy, um, but he's been relatively productive when he is healthy—not crazy, but relative. The thing I think the Ravens didn't do that the Eagles made it a priority to do was get their young quarterback weapons right to help develop that passing game. And, you know, they went out and got uh, A.J. Brown. And then they drafted, you know, they have drafted Devontae Smith. You know, they got weapons for this guy to throw to. And on top of that, he had Dallas Goddard, you know. Right. I think the Ravens have been attempting to get a wide receiver for Lamar, but they never pulled the trigger on, like, that guy. That's why that's why it's hard to say, like, because Mark Andrews isn't enough, like, right? Mark right. Andrews is great, and as great as Mark Andrews is, you still need a weapon on the outside, like, yeah. just flat out. You just do, unless you're yeah. Travis Kelsey and you're the greatest tight end to ever play. But even at that, Patrick Mahomes is is a different breed of quarterback. But
1: anyways, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say that's that's what makes it so tough. To um for me to say that that Jalen Hurts completely earned this contract because there's not that many AJ Browns out there. Like, I mean, it's it's him, it's Tyreek Hill, it's Stefan Diggs, um, you know, I'm sure there's a couple more, but there's you know, five to seven, maybe of those like elite wide receivers. There aren't that many. And so when you have that level of receivers, and Devonte Smith is an animal, and you have an amazing O line, and you have a really good run game, and your defense is really good, yeah, you your know?
0: defense is is absolutely legit. Yeah. So,
1: so it's hard for me to say. Like, but on on the flip side, when Patrick Mahomes signed his contract, they were in the exact same situation that the Eagles are in. They had a really good defense, had a lot of weapons, so. I, I I think it's I think it's in the ballpark. I don't think yeah. it's, you know, a hundred percent the contract we all saw coming, but I don't think it's like an outlandish, crazy contract.
0: I think it's I think it's exactly the contract that Justin Fields is gonna be looking for. Yeah. I mean, and I think if you're in Justin Fields' camp, you gotta be looking at that kind of like licking your chops. Thinking, hey, if we can put this together for one year, and he can show out. I mean, because that's honestly all Jalen Hurts has done—like right. one year, one year of being an elite quarterback—and that's what the contract he got, you know. But if you're if you're Justin Fields, you're sitting there like, I I do what he does. You know, I run e- even better at running the ball. You right. know, and I I think throughout their time in college. Justin was always the better passer than Jalen Hurts. Yeah. You know, I, so I, I still think Justin has more potential in the passing game. You know, whether or not we see that, I don't know. I could be completely wrong about that. I just, I, I feel that way. Having watched every game he played in college, if you don't have to worry about not getting killed, I think you can be a lot better quarterback. So and having weapons obviously helps, but not having a O line not having guys that can get open is not going to be helpful at all. So anyways, we digress, but I was just kind of curious uh, from – because th- I think Bears fans saw that deal differently than the rest of the NFL, right. you know, because we're, we're thinking in the future, what does it look like if JF1 takes that step this year and the Bears are really competitive, and you clearly see that, hey, this is the guy, and then you're going into next year with two first-round picks, like, you're going to want to get your your QB locked up. That's just the bottom line. You're going to want to get that guy the bag. And so I I think for Bears fans, we see that deal significantly different than the the average fan that's just like, wow, that's a crazy amount of money. I think we're looking at it like, okay, so there's the market. There's Br- the price. Brace tag. yourselves. Yeah. Like that's that's if Justin Fields has a Jalen Hurts type season, which he's already done on the ground. If he does that through the air with his new weapons and if they can get him more help on the O-line, if that's what ends up happening, this is the contract you he's going to shoot for. And rightfully so. Right. Rightfully so. If you do the same thing that another guy does, you should get the same contract. And I think that's where that's Lamar's weird. getting hung up. One, he doesn't have an agent. Lamar Jackson, if you're one of the four people that listen to this podcast, get an agent, you know, like make this easier on yourself. But he's wanting a contract for something he doesn't do. Right. You don't deserve a Patrick Mahomes contract. You are not Patrick Mahomes.
1: You know. I'm sorry. No, there's not many people that are. (laughs) Right. And I'm
0: sorry that the Browns ruined it for everybody and gave Deshaun Watson a massive contract when he didn't deserve it when you've been out of the NFL forever and then you just come back and they just gave him this massive contract and you want nobody, if anything, the Deshaun Watson contract hurt Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So anyways, those, that quarterback market is always interesting to me, but whenever you're a bears fan and you're looking at, Oh my goodness, we might actually have one of those guys. It's a good feeling to actually be thinking about. So yeah. Anyways, let's go to a much more depressing conversation and let's talk about the bulls.
1: The bulls. The bulls. So we're about when did they lose? On was it Friday, Saturday? Who cares? They lost. They're out of the out of the play in. They are out. Um I I mean there's there's a lot of questions going into the offseason. Um, I think there's a lot of, of uh, answers as to the team as it is. I think the questions are all regarding what what does it look like next season. But I think the the answers are what it looks like for this season. The questions, number one you got Vooch heading into free agency. And he's been productive. You know, it's always hard. Like, these are these are the weird situations where, like, he's been productive. He's not up for a max contract or anything like that. Do you re-sign a guy that's been productive but hasn't necessarily had that translate to winning games?
0: I think yes, and here's why. The market is kind of bleak. You know, unless you're trading in the NBA nowadays, big guys don't make like big name players don't typically make it to free agency. And if they do, you kind of already know where they're going. Right. Like, right. They're a guy that's like, okay, you know, Kawhi's going to L.A. You know, like it's it's typically it's very clear that that person is going to a place to team up with his buddies or something like that when it comes to like, I don't want to say mid tier because I think Vooch is better than mid tier. I think it'd be disrespectful to say mid tier, but he's not necessarily a name that's going to jump off the page at you. Um, I don't think, I don't think that you're going to do better than Vooch as far as uh, what you can do. I, and this pains me to say, um, not the I the first part is I think the Bulls re-signed Vooch. Because it was the first player that Arturis acquired, and he gave up a hefty price tag to get him. And I think if you're Arturis, you're sitting there like, I can't give up on this guy that easy. Right? Like it hasn't been long enough. I need to sign him to another contract because that's the only way It's worth giving up what you gave up for him. So I think they're going to re-sign Vooch because I think is likes Vooch. The thing that pains me to say is I think you have to trade DeMar DeRozan.
1: Hold on, real, real, real quick. The only reason I see signing Vooch is if you see yourself being competitive next year. But if you don't resign Vooch,
0: you probably have no chance of being competitive next year.
1: I would rather have a year where we're twelve and seventy than a season like we just had.
0: But no GM, like I hear you, I hear you on that, because um,
1: that's. Let me go back to something you said. You said you can't do better than Vooch in the free agents in free agency this yeah. year. Victor Wembinyama.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's I we've all said they should have been tanking to begin with. Like we all said that like halfway through the season when stuff wasn't didn't click, Lonzo hadn't come back. It's like, okay, you know, AC's been hurt, P Will hadn't taken any kind of a step forward, you know. Zach at the time wasn't playing very good basketball. I will give Zach Levine credit. Shout out to Zach Levine. The last several weeks of the season, Zach was unguardable. Unguardable. Like, he was playing out of his mind. Like he finally looked healthy. That jump was back. Um, the tenacity when he would actually go to the rim, like he was finishing. Like that was the Zach Levine that everybody came to love. And it felt good. Like it made me feel more positive going into this offseason than I otherwise would have been had Zach still been playing bad, but he's at least shown you that he can get back to that level. Right. Um, yeah. your to your point about Booch. Like I think the bulls want to be competitive and that's what I was saying. They want to sign Booch because you gave up so much to get him. Like you can't give up that and not be competitive. You right. Know what I'm but, saying, but you
1: see this all the time and and we'll get to baseball here in a second but you see this in baseball all the time where you give up a lot for a guy that it just doesn't work out but because you gave up a lot you hang on to a guy entirely too long
0: yeah but baseball is different because you're you got so many other players on the team basketball is like you got 5 guys you know like you got 5 guys that are going to play and if a guy is a big money player and he's not playing that's utter failure and that contract is virtually untradeable, right? Baseball, you can cut a guy or whatever. Basketball, you just don't see that happen. You know, you just, it's, you're, you're stuck with a guy or you have to pair like a pick to get rid of that guy. And I just think Arturis really likes Vooch. I still think Vooch, um, let me put it this way, okay? I think. Damar and Vooch would be good together. I think Zach and Vooch would be good together. I think the three of them on the floor at the same time doesn't work. Like, I'm not saying the Bulls are better without Demar because Demar is not good, but maybe their offense flows easier if you You would obviously have to add a piece. And if you're trading tomorrow, you're getting something in return, right? You'd have to add different pieces. But the thing about Vooch is he's effective on the offensive end. That's his calling card. Like if he's not being effective on the offensive end, then there's literally no reason to to pay him, you know, because he's not there for the defense. So if he's not a focal point on offense, then it's kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, and I think Zach and Vooch together with a little bit more space um, can be good. I just it's really splitting hairs, though, because they're not going to be great. That's what I'm saying. But I you, think the Bulls, I think it's more important to, to the Bulls to be mediocre and make the playoffs than be just absolutely horrible and, and and not, you know, and get a high pick is what I feel like.
1: So, and you got all this money wrapped up in Zach. So here's what I'm saying, right? Vooch's last contract that he signed with Orlando before he got traded
0: Hang on a second. Speaking of basketball, I just got an alert that the Bucks just dropped 81
1: points in the first half. Ouch,
0: bro. Oof. Just think that could have been the Bulls. Thank God. We Thank just God. we would be watching bad basketball right now. 81 points in the first half.
1: All right, anyways, go ahead. And I think Giannis is questionable, so I don't know if he's. I don't know actually if he doubtful. played or not. I've, so I've honestly not paid attention to the NBA. So Vuce's last contract that he signed with Orlando right before he signed with or before he got traded to the Bulls, it was four years, a hundred million dollars. He's getting twenty five million dollars a year, and he's had yeah. as good, if not better, years with the Bulls. So he's going to get something close to that, I would imagine. But he's
0: older. You know,
1: he's thirty-two, and,
0: and his he is older, and his like so he's not going into his prime. He's going more like he's right he's more but, like, exiting it. So I just don't. And the thing about him in Orlando was like he was having games like I remember one time he popped off for forty-two against the Bulls. You yeah. know, in Orlando, it's like he just hasn't been the focal point in the offense, and his defensive deficiencies have definitely come to light in big games. So I don't think he's gonna get that contract again he's
1: not going to get that big but I think he's gonna get something close he's gonna get I, close to 20. absolutely anything under 20 I would I don't think is if you get him under 20 that's a bargain I say you keep him right <laughs> but, but what if it's being, what if it's at 20. it's hard because like I I think they keep Demar I don't think they're getting rid of Demar I think they should trade him but I don't think they will they have well, multiple times talked about him working this offseason with the younger players. Which also makes me think
0: that's all great, but I'm like seriously, dude, th- the fan base will set the franchise on fire if you just say we're running it back.
1: Absolutely. They but gotta That's what the I Bulls mean, have done for the last twenty years.
0: If they say we're running it back, I'm I'm gonna scream, bro. I'm gonna lose my mind because it's not working. And listen, if the plan is – let me just say this very clearly. If the plan is wait for Lonzo Ball, that is not a plan. It's not. Stop it. I like Lonzo Ball. I think he's a great player when he's on the floor. But they, you don't even know if he is ever going to play basketball again. He's to, out. To he's out for next season already. literally the equivalent of banking on Zion staying healthy. <laughs> literally. Little little dig at die in there. But seriously, like, dude, I if their game plan is to run it back and hope Lonzo comes back to make this court, like, how much longer can you wait? Like, seriously, how much longer can you wait? It is outrageous to suggest that this team is going to be competitive. And to think, like, if they say, well, the last couple weeks of the season, we were really, really good. Well, you played better basketball, but it took Pat Bev. To get you to try on defense
1: here's here's my thing right So, so i i think i really think that that's what they they thought i don't know that they thought pat bev would fix a lot of the issues for them to be a competitive team but i think they were saying hey look we're missing a spot we have several young guys at the point guard position but we don't have a guy like lonzo ball or a veteran point guard that can lead the offense yeah. It's it's not a well constructed team. Mm-hmm. They they're never gonna win a playoff series, even if they make it to the playoffs. Yeah. The problem is the problem is you're caught in this in-between of like, okay, we have the players to be competitive, but we're not. Well, you and have all of these guys good players. All but... of these guys are coming up to the ends of their career, right? Zach Levine. Right as much as I love him and he is young and he's still got good years ahead of him. He's not in his, he may be in his prime, but he's at the tail end of his prime. I think
0: he's in his prime. It's just a matter of, does he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, Zach Levine's still got
1: plenty of good basketball. He does have good basketball. Debo's done. Like we can, I think we can all chalk that up, right? I don't know that Debo's done. It's just, I don't know that he like being the Debo of 2016. He is right. But
0: it's like, Debo's always kind of had an old man game, you know, like,
1: and that doesn't translate to the NBA anymore. No. It's more like Debo's style is done.
0: Right. You know, like cause Debo still does effectively what he does. Like he he's still a high volume it, shooter, dude. Like he still does it well. Like, Absolutely. I, and I will say this in Debo's defense, everybody said he doesn't shoot threes. Like if you count how many and ones that man has, On pull-up jumpers, you might as well just add it as a stat for threes. Because every single time that man is pulling up in the mid-range, he's getting fouled, and he's knocking it down and going to the line. Like, so I understand Debo doesn't hit threes. He doesn't take a lot. Towards the end of the season, he was shooting more of them. But still, he does kind of take threes because he gets to the line so much. But anyways, can we please stop talking about the Bulls? It's depressing.
1: Long story short, trade everybody. Start from scratch. I real quick before we finish. Sorry,
0: I don't know what to do with Billy Donovan. Fire him. I that's how I feel. But if you're going to keep the same core, you're probably keeping Billy Donovan.
1: Fire Won't him. Be my thought, but I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. You you unload the team, and this pains me to say it. I thought Io was going to develop into a solid point guard. I still think he can be. I don't think it's in Chicago.
0: Yeah, it's tough, man, when you have two guys in Demar and Zach who are ball-dominant guards. And, uh, you know, they, they have to have the ball in order to be effective. And Io's not the spot-up shooter type of guy. And, you know, in fairness, Kobe White has really developed this year. Second half of this year, he was really, really good. Um, so props to him. I've been really hard on Kobe White. I just felt like...
1: But I feel like he's done that every year where he has a really bad stretch, and then he kind of turns it on, and then you're kind of like, oh, okay. Right, but this year was
0: different because he took it, and it was like he did it with DeMar on the floor. He did it with Zach on the floor. You know, he did it with Vooch. Before, when he had his good stretches, it felt like everybody was either hurt or just not playing, and... You know, he really like even in that play in game, he was assertive, man, like and even P will like P will took the initiative towards the end of the season. You just hope you just hope that this wasn't like that progression wasn't desperation. And what I mean by that is like you hope that the reason they were playing well is not a result of them just trying to get into the playoffs and so then next year, whenever the season starts, that continues, you know, as opposed to the season starting and there's not that urgency there. So the hope is that those that that's a true step forward. And that's why it's always so hard to tell at the end of the season what's real and what's not.
1: Because it makes what's you think... real is the Bulls are garbage and they need to trade everybody on the team and fire Billy Donovan. Couldn't have said it better. Let's move on. On a much much higher note, your Chicago Cubs, my Chicago Cubs,
0: my Chicago
1: Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, go Cubs go. Hey Chicago, what do you say?
0: What do you say?
1: The Cardinals are gonna lose again today, and the White Sox, and the White Sox, boo White Sox, God. So they are ten and three in their last thirteen games. Uh, no, that eight and three. No, 10 and three. 10 and three? Okay. 10 and three. They beat the A's, which isn't saying much, but they beat them 12 to two uh, today. So. Yeah, they
0: outscored them 26 to four for the series. So
1: I, I wouldn't call that squeaking by. No. Of course, the A's are three and 16. So, yeah, but, the A's but are 24 the, runs. The A's is are hot garbage. Substantial.
0: But you gotta, I mean, you gotta come out and you gotta do that to bad teams. You know, you can't have a hiccup there. So, I literally had this thought with the balanced schedule, you know, everybody plays everybody and you're just going to, you're going to play them at different times. I mean, so if you're, you know, a Cardinals fan and you're like, Hey, the Cubs, I mean, they're just playing the A's. Well, you got to have your chance to play the A's too. You know, the thing is you got to win those games because we all agree that this division should be close. Um, and the wild card should be close and we see these things happen all the time at the end of the year where it comes down to one or two games, right? Yeah. And you could be playing a team, say, I know the Cubs play the Brewers at the end of the season. I believe it's the last series of the season, if I'm not mistaken. I know it's one of the last two or three, but I'm pretty sure it's the last. Um, You're playing the Brewers, okay, and say you come out on top of the division by one game, and you could say, well, it's because the Cubs won that one game at the end of the season. When it, if you go three and zero against the Athletics, but the Brewers drop one against the, a team like the A's, and they go two and one, that makes all the difference in the world, man. Like that's a team that you should have beat. Right. You know. So when you win those games that you should absolutely destroy the other team, it takes a lot of pressure off of the other times. You know, like you can afford to, like you're about to play the Dodgers at home for a four game series. You know, anytime you play the Dodgers in a four-game series, a split is perfectly acceptable. You know, obviously you're at home, so you want to win three, four games. You want to win them all, but you know it's
1: okay if you split this
0: series, yeah, because you took care of business.
1: Well, you know, and and we just beat the Dodgers two-one in LA, right? right. And the you series. and
0: you should have swept them. Yeah, you know the Cubs should have swept the Dodgers. It could have been a perfect road trip. We should be talking about the Cubs on. Uh, what I would believe is a seven-game win streak, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, I just, I, I'm, I'm really encouraged. And you, you can say what you want about um, well, that's, beating the A's, but it's important. It's just as important as beating the Brewers.
1: I was just about to say, let's let's. Well, maybe not this. as important as beating the Brewers, but you understand what I'm saying. Let's preface this by saying, it's April. We know it's April. No,
0: we're not prefacing it by anything. I am prefacing. The Cubs are so
1: good. It is April. We know it's care. April. I don't care. There are many teams that start off this good, and then by the end of the season, you're like, don't "Oh, that's right, they were really good." Don't. However, care. we're just gonna we're just gonna accept that they're a good team right now. Right and now, they look really good. Let's really start good. off. Let's start off with the biggest highlight for Cubs fans this year that nobody really saw coming is Cody Bellinger. Cody Cody He's Cody. hitting 284 on the season, but if you put that in the last like six games, he's over 500. I mean, he had he had one game against the A's where he was 5 for 5. Yeah. He's,
0: Cody Cody Bellinger, I I'll say this, Cody Bellinger's been a really nice surprise. But he hasn't like there's been so you said the bright spot or the highlight. There's so many highlights, you know, you're right about Cody Bellinger and he's the guy that I highlighted at the beginning of the season as next factor, you know, because if he is MVP Cody Bellinger, good. Like this team is drastically better than it looks on paper with Cody Bellinger over the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. So the fact that he's been hitting the tar out of the ball, I mean, just hitting it so hard. And I think his first uh, – the first series against Milwaukee, he, I think he went 0 for 11 or something like that. Um, if you remove those games, I I think he was hitting like before the 5-for-5 five five game. I text it to you guys in the group. I can look it up so I'm not sounding crazy. Um. Anyways, he, he's been hitting out of his mind, and if you take out those – Three games. I'm coming to it. I'm sorry. I am searching, searching. Oh, I'm just past the part where you guys were being dramatic about the bases being loaded.
1: That was Chad. That wasn't even me.
0: That's just, you guys are crazy. And uh, let's just talk real quick while I'm searching for this. Cody Bellinger's Rob of uh, that was Jason beautiful. Hayward's home run was so baseball poetic. It like, was. It's just a beautiful thing. All right, I found it. So since the first series against Milwaukee, Belly went 0 for 11. uh, He was hitting 314 with two homers, two doubles, and only a 7.5% strikeout rate. And I believe that was before the A's series. So So, then you add in that stuff. I mean...
1: Here's what I was about to say. He is the second most at-bats on the roster. Really? Second most at-bats, and he has... It's hard to say because there's been... Um, I wouldn't have guessed so that. Years. I would not he, have guessed that. He has, out of guys that have more than 50 at-bats, he has the second lowest strikeout. Excellent. Strikeouts. Excellent. The only guy that has less than him is Nico. And Nico yeah. is... And
0: Nico's been out of his mind, bro.
1: Playing out of his mind. But I did say the bright spot because I don't think anybody saw Belly hitting this well. I He's always been a guy that's like... Like Schwarber, right? Schwarber's either hitting a yeah. home run or he's walking back to the dugout.
0: In fairness, I think I said
1: it. I'll just put it out there. I'm pretty sure I said Cody Bellinger was going to be good. You did. The reason I said that is because, like, <laughs> we're expecting Dansby Swanson to do what Dansby Swanson yes, is doing. Right, right. right. Like, you,
0: you hoped that Cody Bellinger could be good and you could see the potential, obviously, because he was an MVP but you
1: didn't necessarily expect it out of the gate. I totally understand what you're saying. Like Dansby Swanson, he is playing great, but we all kind of expected him to play really well.
0: I honestly am a little surprised at Dansby.
1: Like even him where we expected him to play really well.
0: um, A lot of the stuff going into the season was like, historically Dansby starts slow. Don't worry about him. He's going to be fine. And like after the the horrible spring that he had – like he hit a couple homers at the end of spring, and everybody's like, "Okay, cool." There's Dansby, but he did not do anything until the last couple of games of spring, and then he came out just guns ablazing, and he's he's hitting out of his mind. So, yeah, I th- let me see. Right, he's hitting three
1: thirty three. Yeah, I've got the whole team pulled up here. Yeah, three thirty three with an on
0: base. See, this is the thing too. Like that has been awesome about this offense. Okay, like you just hinted at it with Cody Bellinger there. Um, and I just realized the reason this why he the has the next point
1: I was going to make. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going say...
0: to say the reason why Cody Bellinger has so many official at bats though, is I'm assuming that's because he doesn't take walks.
1: You know what I'm saying? Because he right. hits like middle
0: of the order. So I would, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, cause Dansby's only missed one game. So I'm kind of surprised that yeah he wouldn't have more at bats, but Dansby's walked more.
1: Well, I, I was just gonna say the thing that's the most a lot more. the most encouraging thing to me as a Cub fan that we haven't had in a really long time is it's not a home runner strikeout team. Mm-hmm. They all are hitting close to three hundred outside of Mancini and Hosmer, pretty much outside of right. uh, and Gomes. But outside of that, they're all two eighty or above, pretty much. And yeah. I, I don't think we saw Patrick Wisdom hitting eight home runs this early in the season. Um, but outside of that, they yeah. get on base. Yes, Chad, we know they leave runners in scoring position sometimes. But when you're getting this many hits in a game, it it's gonna right. happen.
0: It's going to happen. And like, the thing is, is like the difference is that I want everybody to understand about this team. And like there are going to be times where you got runners on base and they don't score but this team leads the national league in runs scored per game. Okay? They they've scored 99 runs in their first 17 games. That's outrageous, dude. And there's other there's um I think the Pirates lost an Okay, shout out to the Pirates. Major shout out. Dude, cuz they are playing out of their minds. Like I don't think the Pirates have the pitching to keep this up. But and especially with O'Neill Cruz out, I thought they were going to fall off a little. But the Pirates, man, good on you because you have no business being this good, and they they have played really really well. So I'm I'm rooting for the Pirates. Um, but I just don't think they're going to have the pitching to ultimately sustain being a, a good team. Um, but with that said, the Pirates have scored 99 runs. They've also given up, I believe it was 80 or something like that. The Cubs have also scored 99 runs. They have played two less games than the Pirates. So it's like some of these other teams, like most of the teams in Major League Baseball have played more games than the Cubs, at least one or two, just because of their off days and the rain out in Cincinnati and whatnot. So the Cubs are leading the league in runs scored per game. The thing is about guys being left on base very rarely this year has it been because of a strikeout. That is the most maddening thing about baseball when you have guys on base and you just don't put the ball in play. There's been several times this year. There was one uh earlier today. Um, I believe, I believe it was earlier today. Zero zero, first inning, Cubs have the bases loaded. Belly almost hits one out. Just missed hitting a home run. Well, looks like three guys got left stranded on base, right? You know, like he just hit the tar out of the baseball. It just didn't go over the wall, right? So it's like it's different than Javi Baez swinging at something that's two feet in the left-handed batter's box, you know? It's just different. So we shouldn't be so quick to just be angry at them. Yeah.
1: Chad, Absolutely.
0: I'm talking to you, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bum, texting me all the time about it. Text me when they strike out.
1: Like Wilson Contreras. He hasn't sent... Ooh, Did you see him and Mad Bum going at it today? Mad Bum goes at it with everybody.
0: That's true. And I don't understand it because, like, dude, he hasn't been good in a long time. <laughs> like, so... You're just out here giving up runs. Like, I understand you're in a bad mood, but I this was the one time so far this year that I've actually been on team Willie. It was like I saw the video and I don't think Willie did anything.
1: I just, I just they think I'm mad bum for a reason.
0: I just think he was having a bad day. So,
1: well, he's had a lot of those. It's those happen quite frequently when you're playing for the Diamondbacks, but dude,
0: the Diamondbacks have been playing good baseball this year, too. <laughs> it's April. Yeah,
1: you're right. You're right.
0: That applies to everybody but the Cubs.
1: Okay. Okay. Let's move Let's move to pitching. I wish Jalen were here. Yes, I do because, too. Because then you could rub this in his face. Oh, so much. That Justin Steele is leading the team with three wins.
0: Justin Steele. I will say this. Justin Steele has been phenomenal. And I... I was paying attention to the game today. I was at work, so I didn't get to watch all of it. I got to watch the end of it. Justin Steele has been really, really good. Had it not been for, and he was good today, but he was not great. And had it not been for the tail end of today's outing, I was going to say, as good as Stroh has been, Justin Steele has been more impressive. But, the way that Steele struggled today a little bit, you know, Um, I I saw a t- statistic after the game. And this is obviously nitpicking Justin Steele because he's been awesome. So I'm not coming at him. You talk about two guys that are, are have been two of the best pitchers in baseball to start the season, but Steele going back to last year, has had 11 straight starts where he's allowed two runs or less. That's really good pitching, dude. Like really good. That's some really really good stuff. Because that means there's just no stinkers in there. You know, most pitchers have those stinkers. John Lester used to have stinkers where it'd be like he just got tagged for How seven. Dare you runs. talk
1: about John Lester like that.
0: And John and that's what I'm saying, like Johnny was great. You know, like he was one of the all-timers. Um, so Justin Steele is eventually going to have those, you know. But he's he's been pitching so well, and he's been doing it for a lot longer than just this season. And I'm just so impressed. Like he works so fast. Like he is a pitch clock pitcher, dude. Like it just fits him so well. Um, he knows how to keep the ball down in the zone, and and he he throws the ball hard enough and. Like, he just, he just rocks and fires, and he's just one of those guys that doesn't seem to get rattled by a whole lot, and he, he's not afraid to go inside on somebody. And, you know, he's just – he's pitched really, really well. Stroman has been so good. I mean, so, so good. And he talked about it after his last outing against Oakland, just talking about – um how much more confident he feels with that defense behind him, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, here in a minute. But when you have Dansby Swanson playing short, that range, you have Nico playing second, you have Belly in center field, Hap, who's a gold glover in left, Seiya, who won five Golden Gloves in Japan in right field, like, you're not afraid to just pitch the ball you know and that's what he was talking about just being more efficient just throwing the ball in the strike zone and trusting that my fielders are going to turn balls that are in play into outs and that's that's all you can ask for from Stro because he's not going to be the guy that's going to go out there and get you 12 14 Ks you know like he needs to pitch to contact and that's okay you have the defense to do it jameson Tyone... Had a good start his last outing. It was really nice to see. He's kind of struggled to start the year. I think he's 0-2, but that doesn't really tell the whole story. He's um, – is he 0-2 or 1-2 now? James he, to
1: he is 0-2. 0-2. That's what I thought. So he's – He started, he started he, three games.
0: Yeah, so he, he's been better. You know, he's been a lot better. And I believe the Dodgers game was the one they lost – that he started um, or yeah, I think it was the Dodgers game. Um, he started, he pitched really well and you know, they just didn't get him to win. So uh, Smiley been great the last two times out, man can't say enough about Drew Smiley because his, his last two starts have been against the other team's ace. He, he pitched against Luis Castillo, who is so good for the Mariners. That guy is nasty. And Drew Smiley matched him pitch for pitch and got the win um, for the Cubbies. And then his last start was against Julio Urias. And, again, he, he just hung in there. Like, the Cubs offense didn't do a whole lot that game. They just got going at the right moment. And, and he gets another one, you know, like he just matched him pitch for pitch. You're holding your own against two other aces. Like that's big time from a guy who is your fourth starter. Like that's huge that he's yeah. going out there and he's matching the other team's ace. I'm not expecting him to do that every single time out, but he's he's shown you that he can be really, really good. And you're going to need him to be really good. Wesneski, it was awesome to see him have a good start against the A's because it's like if you're not going to have a good start against the A's, you're not going to have a good start. Like he he needed that start against the A's to go seven innings, one walk, five um, five hits. I think one run or no walks, one run, five hits. Um, I think he had seven K's. Like that's a great stat line for a guy. That the the big thing in there is the no walks Um, because he really struggled with his command against Cincinnati, and he really struggled with his command against the Mariners. And that game against the Mariners, I mean, the funny thing is, as bad as Hayden had been before the Oakland game, they had won the two starts that he had pitched. Right. Which was crazy, because the Reds game was like a high-scoring, back-and-forth kind of game. And then the Mariners game... He gave up the seven runs in the first couple innings, and that was the game the Cubs came back and won 14-8. to Um, So it's not like he pitched great, you know, in those games, but somehow the Cubs still won. So the Cubs have won all three of the starts that Hayden Wisniewski's started. Only one of them has been because of Hayden Wisniewski. But still, you know, it was really good to see him pitch the way he did against that team. Like, you got to do it against that team.
1: I think the encouraging thing, too, and and part of this is just because of the offense so far, but our bullpen has really held up, I think, a lot better than we thought it would. You know, we knew for the most part that starting pitching, you know, at least the first two, maybe three spots were, they're solid. You know, they're not, you know, Cy Young's, but they're, they're solid, you know, pitchers. The bullpen was kind of a big question mark, and I think it's really held up as, as much as we could have asked it to.
0: Right. Justin, I will say this, and it is only four starts in for everybody. Um, well, four starts for Stro and Steele. That's the best one-two punch in baseball right now through yeah. the first four ro- rotations through. That's the best one-two. Like, you can't tell me anybody else. I mean, those two guys have just been outrageous. Maybe, some, maybe a couple guys from the Rays, but the Rays haven't really played anybody, so whatever. In the National League, at least those two guys have been awesome. I know they're not the best, you know. Like, would I rather have Max Scherzer? Sure. Well, you know, not but, after today. But, but yeah, well, not after today. But you know, would I rather have peak Justin Verlander? Of course, you know. But there are other pitchers that are better. Would I have? Would I rather have Corbin Burns? Yeah, I'd rather have Corbin Burns than than Stro. But those two guys have just outperformed. I mean, just outperformed expectation. They've both been very good and they've both been very good dating back to the last season. Stroman, his last 20 something starts has been outrageous. Like just been so good. So to see them continue it, you just hope and pray that they continue it through the whole season, but they've been, they've been awesome. As far as your point about the bullpen, hold on, I,
1: hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me just interrupt here. Giannis is not playing tonight. Wow, and there's they're still killing them. It's one the twelve to eighty-two in the third, end of the third. Ouch. Uh Drew Holiday has twenty four. Brooke Lopez has twenty-one. Uh Middleton has sixteen. Grayson Allen has fourteen. Uh Joe Ingles has fourteen. Pat Connison has thirty like they've got dude everybody. Well, yeah, because
0: everybody's playing because they've been beaten by thirty the whole game. It's true. That is crazy. Anyway, the bullpen. Anyways, the bullpen has kind of been like the Heat's defense. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the one guy that disappointed me pretty big time is Javier Assad. Yeah. Because he was so good, man, in the World Baseball Classic. And he just – I was at the game. I was at the second game of the season. He came on. He had a really good first time or first inning that he pitched. I believe it was the seventh. And then the wheels just kind of came off in the eighth. Like, he couldn't find the strike zone. I thought Rossi left him out there too long. And as Rossi does. As Rossi does sometimes. And I just felt like, you know, that kind of – like, if you get him out after the seventh, after he pitched that one, two, three inning, you're like, okay, cool, he's confident, he's feeling good. Nobody would have worried about it. And then he came out his next appearance – and he kind of struggled again. And then he gets sent down, you know? And that really just stinks because he was so good in the world baseball classic. I thought he was going to be really, really good in the season. I think he still can be really good, obviously. He came up last year and pitched just fine. I just think he got in his head a little bit after that first time through and everybody started everybody just jumped on him right away. And it's like we just need to we need to take a beat and realize this is a really, really young pitcher. You know, but um, Merriweather has not been great. Uh, he had a good outing today, but he it was against the A's, you know, and you were up 12-2, to two, so you can just attack the strike zone. Um, Michael Fulmer has been kind of a mixed bag for me. He obviously blew the game against the Dodgers. Um, he gave up the homer to Jared Kelnick. In the Mariners series, a game that we still ended up winning, but should have been a game that was closed out. It's clear that Rossi has kind of moved him out of that closure role. It feels like he's been having him come in in like the seventh, the last couple of games or so. Um, his last couple of appearances, I'm sorry, has been the seventh. And then he pitched a game in the eighth against the Dodgers. Um, and then Rossi went out and got him and brought in a different guy for the ninth. Um I'm trying to think. Keegan Thompson has been awesome, like just lights out. Uh, Mark Leiter Jr. has been incredible. Um, just the dude has just always been in control. And Michael Rucker has been fairly decent. Uh, Albert Alzali has had his good moments. He also walked a couple guys the other day, so need to clean that up. But he's he's been He's been pretty good, and having Brandon Hughes come back as the only lefty in that pen should definitely help some. Um, the only the only question right now that I have is, what are you going to do with Kyle Hendricks when he comes back? And that's that's a pretty difficult question. I think the easy answer is just to go to a six man rotation because I don't think you want to put any of those like when your starting rotation has been as good as it's been. I don't think you want to take anybody out of it right yeah and and you you probably don't want to take Hayden Wozneski out of it because you you don't want to shoot his confidence like right after he had a really good outing you know obviously he's going to have more starts before before uh, Kyle comes back but I think you probably just end up going to a six-man rotation
1: here's here's something that they could do I doubt they will but we've seen this a lot where they move a guy that maybe is not in his prime as much, move him to kind of that like fourth to sixth inning kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause his problem has always been getting through the lineup more than two times. He cannot yeah. ever has not ever, will not ever be able to do that. Right. So, you know, if you I have a guy that like, like Hayden Wesneski, who, you know, you want to keep as a starter, here, Hendricks is still a good pitcher. Yeah. You know, I... We hope. We hope. I mean, hope. That's it's hard to tell. That's a big hope. But I, I think, you know, we've seen this a lot where you use him in that four to six stretch. Um, you know, someone's getting knocked around a little bit or, you know, you have a guy that, that can't get through the rotation more than once yeah. or twice. Um, so, you know, that's a possibility. But I, I do agree. I don't think you, you take anybody out of the lineup or out of the starting rotation. Right. As yeah, as just, we've seen thus far.
0: It would just be too hard to do that, I think, personally. It's like why why uh why mess it up? You know, why rock yeah. the boat when they've been as good as they've been? Why try to change something? You know, like inevitably somebody's gonna have forearm t- tightness or something, you know, right. where they're gonna end up on an on a IL stint or miss a couple starts here or there, or whatever. You know, some that's gonna happen to somebody eventually. So um you know I think they just go six man and and just figure it out from there I do kind of want to talk about the lineup just a little bit more yeah like and just talk about how good Nico Horner has been because like it it's kind of outrageous like how good he's been in the leadoff spot okay so he's batting his slash line is 347 with a 395 obP. Only slugging 413. Home runs haven't come yet, you know, but he's he's a .6 war player right now. And he's, he's okay, so he's got 75 ABs to start the year. All right, most on the team. That's probably going to continue because, one, he's the leadoff guy, and, two, he doesn't walk very much. He struck out six times. Six. He's walked Five. Like, this is a guy who's literally walked almost as much as he struck out. And he's stolen nine bases. In the first 17 games.
1: He's getting a hit at least 33% of the time.
0: And the the point I was going to make earlier. Okay, so you got... So, one through three has been absolutely outrageous so far. Okay? Ian Happ... Ian Happ's on base percentage is 423. Dansby is 432. Nico is 395. Like, that's so good that you wonder why they're scoring the most runs per game in the National League when the top three guys are getting on base at about a 42% of the time clip you're going to score a lot of runs, you know? And, like, yeah. Mancini and Hosmer, neither one of them have been very good, like, average-wise. But if you look at, like, positional RBIs, we've had the most RBIs come from that first-base position, and I think it has strictly been because there's been three guys in front of them that get on base so much.
1: And, you know, Hosmer's hitting two forty five but he's getting on base he he's about 300
0: and he hit a homer today he hit a homer today
1: you know i think if he does that like nobody's expecting him to hit you know 300 and you know like just have a amazing year obviously we could see some improvement there on the on the average but those guys are kind of doing what you expected them to do or you would you kind of right. said you know like if they do this we could be be pretty good right then you have all the other guys that you said, you know, they could be really good, they just have some question marks. Yeah. And all of them as of right now are exceeding expectations. Yeah. Um I I really don't think there's anybody that's underachieving as far as we thought. Obviously say to,
0: to me Mancini.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mancini. And
0: I think Mancini will turn it around because Historically, he's been a good hitter. I just that's why I think like I expected more from Mancini at the plate than what he's shown. And he even started off better than what he has been the last several games. But like, dude, you got to hit better than that. Like you were you were supposed to be the offensive one. Haas is supposed to be the defensive guy. And Mancini's just not been good enough. He struck out way too many times and he's got the ability to go to right field. He just needs to he needs to do that. I don't it seems like he's been swinging too hard and he's been trying to yank the ball way too much and he's just not been in control in his ABs. So I this team, though, offensively works the count. They get starting pitchers out of the game early and then they just feast on bullpens. And And I think that they can continue to do that because that's that's what these guys do. Nico takes pitches or he ropes a line drive and keeps the inning going. You know, Dansby sees a lot of pitches. Happer sees a lot of pitches. uh, Cody Bellinger sees a lot of pitches. You know, like, Saya definitely sees a lot of pitches. Patrick Wisdom has been way more picky in the box. That's why he's been so much better. And Patrick Wisdom, real quick, Patrick Wisdom just, he hit his home run the other night. I think it was his eighth home run, uh, and there was a couple guys on base. It was his first homer with guys on base. So, like, dude's got eight homers. I think he's only got 15 RBIs, you know, because yeah, there just hasn't been guys on base whenever he comes up because he's been hitting seventh. But anyways, real quick, before we got to go, I just want to ask, have, have you changed any of your opinions about the division? and kind of how things sit and where you project the cubs could potentially end up at the end of this season.
1: I think I think Milwaukee is the clear number 1 this far into this in the in the season in the NL Central. Um I think the Cardinals as much as it pains me to say it They'll, they'll. I think they'll put together a solid season, and I think it'll be the the Cubs and Cardinals competing for that second spot in NL Central.
0: Okay, would you? Because a lot of people still have the Cardinals as the favorite in this division. Would you? Would you be willing to say Milwaukee is now the favorite?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I I would because because they're. The Cardinals pitching has not been good at It's been all. bad.
0: It's been really, really bad.
1: And I think it's easier to come back. Like, you know, if you start off the season slow hitting, I think it's easier to come back from that than it is right. pitching. And that's that's why I think the Brewers would, would take that spot as the favorite in the division for me. Right. Um, the Cardinals' issues have not been hitting. They've been a decent team from the plate. Um, but then you have guys, you know, like – like Jordan Hicks, who cannot find the strike zone.
0: Nope.
1: Cannot like okay, you can throw ninety-eight all day long. Right. Steven Matt hasn't
0: Steven Matz hasn't been good. So uh,
1: I I think yeah. you know, they may put it together enough where, you know, I, I, I think it'll be kind of a three horse race there. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the Brewers are the favorite. I think they'll I don't think any team like runs away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if any team would run away with, that, I would see it being the Brewers.
0: If I were to tell you the Cubs have a better chance to win the division than the Cardinals, what would you say?
1: I would say it's too early for me to to say that, but it's I, easier I, I to believe see, now. I could see the take, yeah, for sure.
0: Right, it's easier to believe now, and that's what I'm saying. Like at the beginning of the season, you're like. You could say that to somebody, but there was just so many unknowns. And technically, I mean, there's still unknowns. So you're, you're 17 games into a very long season. So to, to project that this stuff is going to keep going exactly the way it has is just crazy. There's no way it's going to keep going exactly the way it is. And this right. is – guys could get injured and completely change the dynamic of everything. But our guys could fall off, you know. But the way I'm seeing it is this Cubs team, because of the pitching and because of the defense that they play, that was going to keep them in games no matter what. And this team was going to avoid long losing streaks because they pitch well and because they play good defense. And it was the the take of most people that the offense was going to be what held them back. Yeah. That they weren't going to score enough runs but if this team is a top 10 top 8 offense with the pitching they have there's no reason why they couldn't win the division absolutely so i'm sitting here first 17 games into the season and i'm saying to you i believe the cubs finish above the cardinals
1: okay
0: because i don't think the cardinals are going to figure it out pitching they they hit the ball great whatever you can go through phases where you run into a buzzsaw of three or four really good pitchers and that affects your offense right yeah. and your if your offense doesn't if their offense doesn't carry them i think they've only held their opponent under four runs three times yeah that's outrageous like what if those games against the cubs dude if your offense doesn't carry you, if you don't score runs against a very good starting pitching staff, what if you face, you know, Stroh and Steele in a series? How are you expecting to win if you can't pitch against a, a team that's going to stop you and you can't stop them?
1: Here's here's the last thing, and then, and then I got to run. Last thing I'll ask, if the Cubs continue, maybe not quite, This this hot, but they, you know, kind of continue being a winning a winning team this year. Do you see them making any trades before the All-Star break? Uh,
0: Maybe not before the All-Star break, but before the trade deadline, I think I think they're going to try to add. I, I think if you're the Cubs and you're competitive, you have to go get a closer. Yeah, like that's the to me, that's like. The biggest need. I mean, because if you're talking about first base and you want more production there, you can call up Matt Mervis, you know, and and try him out at first base. I don't think you're going to try to trade a bunch of pieces to go get, you know, a third baseman because P-Wiz has been enough. You're good at shortstop second, you know, your whole outfield set, yada, yada, yada. You're not going to go get a new catcher midway through the season. So to me, if they do add, it's going to be in the bullpen. And I think that that would be very smart and most of the time you're not going to have to give up you know your your top guys to get a guy like a bullpen guy that can help i don't i don't know who that guy is um but i i do if they are competitive if you're the cubs and you're competitive and you're you're staying in this all the way through to the to the trade deadline not adding a closer is malpractice yep because it seems like they got the other pieces, but you got to have a guy that can come in and lock it down. Real quick before we go, so happy Ian Hap got his extension. Same. I'm pumped that Ian Hap is back. I really was scared that they weren't going to re-sign him, and I'm I'm so happy that they did. Now they have their left and right fielder locked in, shortstops locked in, s- second bases locked in. Like you got four guys and Hap Suzuki, Swanson. And Horner, that you can be really, really happy with being on your team. That's that's one through four. Yeah, for the for the next four years at least on the Cubs, yep. right there. That's one through four, and that's awesome. It feels good that the Cubs have guys locked up, and especially a guy like Inhap, who's such a leader and a great voice for the team. So,
1: yeah, go Cubs, go! It.
0: Go Cubs, go! Cubs are winning the division.
1: It's April. They're but we love it. Division. They're winning the division,
0: bro, and the, Nico's gonna win a Gold Glove. He's gonna win a Gold Glove, and I honestly, truth or truth or not, Nico could win the batting title this year.
1: That's I would I would believe him. Uh, oof, Nico can, could win the batting. It. He could win the
0: batting it. title and win a Gold Glove in the same year. That's how good he is.
1: Dan Dan's P for MVP.
0: I love Dansby Swanson. He's having a great year. I think he's going to be an all-star. I think Hap's going to be an all-star. You can legitimately look at this team and be like, Cody Bellinger playing at all-star level. inhap Hap, all-star level. Dansby, all-star. Patrick Wisdom, Sayo all-star. could get it going. I mean, like, they could have a lot of guys that could be vying for an all-star. Stroman, Steele. Like, obviously, it is 17 games in. You guys, you got to do it over several months to be an yep. all-star. But they got guys that could do it. So we've we've babbled for long enough but the Cubs are awesome and they're going to win the division and I don't care what Jalen says the Cardinals stink Wilson Contreras is not very good anymore go Cubs
1: that's go all Cubs. I gotta say all right y'all that is it for the goal to go podcast this week hopefully we uh we get something recorded I'm sure we'll have something soon with the draft coming up next week um so we'll we'll try and get something something recorded um Probably or most likely a, a reaction after the draft, maybe draft night, we'll see. Um, but we are excited uh to hopefully get back into recording more consistently. Um you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all the things. So go give us a like, go give us a share, uh all all of those things. Rod interview
0: so. talking about how the clubs are winning the division.
1: Or a mild take. Nope. Go full tilt. <laughs> All right, y'all. We will see you next time on the Goal to Go podcast.